hope you're having a good Father's Day. My children did me proud this morning, but I got this card off my son. Now, if you can't read it, it says, Selective Listening Champion of the World. <laughs> I don't know what they mean. What's all that about? My son, cheeky son, so they always say that I don't listen. There you go. That's what part of being a father's about. Okay, let's just pray. Lord, come and speak to us. Come and touch us again by your Holy Spirit as you've already touched us this morning. I want to hear from you, Lord. I want to hear from me. I want to hear from you. So come, Holy Spirit. Be with us right now. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I've had on... Can you just turn it down a little bit? It's... It's a bit echoey. I've had on my mind for a few weeks um, this phrase about your mind being transformed uh, or the renewing of your mind. And um, it's been on my mind, as I say, for some weeks. And uh, I just felt it was going to fit in with the Kingdom series we were going to do. And um, we had a gap this week. And so I took it and uh, it just brilliantly fits in with what Peter was talking about last week and in fact the whole kingdom series because part of being in the kingdom part of understanding the kingdom is to have our mindset changed and it's that that I particularly want to talk about this morning we are going to be looking at some scriptures so if you want to open your bible uh, we're going to start with in Ephesians chapter 4 uh, there are quite a few scriptures this morning so we'll see what happens with those but I just want to read this um, before I start, because this just links last week with this week brilliantly in a better way that I, c- that I could ever do. It says, notice that the call to us, and the call is this, sorry, I've started in the wrong place. Christ calls us to a special kind of non-conformity, a refusal to conform Refusal to conform to the sinful patterns of the world, to patterns of disobedience. The call is not simply a negative prohibition, but also a positive affirmation. Look at the text, which we're going to do in a minute, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. To be transformed means to go above and beyond the forms and structures of this world. Christians are called to be the light of the world, to be the salt of the earth to show a more excellent way. This is not so much a call to drop out of society and culture as a call to excellence, dedicating our lives to the glory of God. The means by which we are to be transformed is through the renewing of our minds. We have to relearn things from a new perspective. We need new values. We need to train our minds so that we begin to think God's thoughts after him. Why do you need a new mind? so that you can know the will of God. That is why truth is so vital. If you want to live a godly life, it's indispensable to your spiritual growth that you dig into the scriptures deeply to understand what God is revealing. This is part of the sacrifice of the Christian life. There is a sacrifice of your body and there is a sacrifice of your mind. It's not a sacrifice of the mind in the sense that you vacate your intellect but in the sense of giving your mind as a present to God, to be instructed by him so that your thinking will honor him. 
I thought that was just brilliant. Absolutely links what Peter was talking about about last week about us being salt and uh, in the world and the calling that we have on our lives. So let's just read some verses from Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 17. I'm reading for the American Standard Version, so it might be slightly different from what you're reading. This I say, therefore, and affirm together with the Lord, that you no longer walk just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, having given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and been taught in him just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and the holiness of truth. We'll leave it there. And then just uh, again in Romans 12, it's only two verses, you don't need to turn to it. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. I urge you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So Paul calls us for our minds to be renewed through the Holy Spirit. So what I want to do today is I want to look at what this first of all does not mean. Then I want to look at what it does mean. And I want to take some examples from the Bible about thinking. And then finally, what does it mean for us as Christians? So it's not all theory. So do we have a video or... We do. Okay, I need just to give you a bit of background about this video. This is uh, an example of what I am not talking about today as Christians. This is from the film called Yes Man. Now, if you know that film, what happens is that the guy, the main character in it is a bit of a loser. He says no to everything. He has no friends. He stays at home. He lies to all his friends, tells them he's really busy. He's not. He does nothing. And one of his friends comes to him and says, you've got to come to this conference. Uh, This conference has changed my life. And basically at this conference, you have to say yes to everything. That's, That's what it's all about, the yes man. So he goes to this conference and this is what happens. Once you leave this building, every time an opportunity presents itself, no matter what it is, you will say yes. Yes! 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 
to fortify you. Say the other word. You'll be making a promise to yourself. And when you break a promise to yourself, things can get a little dicey. What do you say, Carl? You ready to make a covenant? Yes. 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 Again. Yes. yes. Say it again. Yes. yes. Ah. Make me believe it. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. Oh dear, sorry, I love that film. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, get it on DVD. It's hilarious. It really is. My kids just love it. So what happens is he goes to the conference. He makes the covenant with the guy. It's all very dramatic. And from there, his life completely changes because he says yes to absolutely everything. So you can imagine the mess that he gets his life into. And it goes through the mess. And at the end, the guy who is telling him there, you must say yes, make me believe it. He ends up in hospital with that guy and the guy has to say to him, there was no covenant. It's a load of rubbish. You don't have to say yes to everything. And so effectively that's how it ends up. But he has a good time in the meantime. But the whole point is that there are lots of things that we can do like that which is training our mind to be in a different way. Now, I'm a great user of Amazon, so I went on the Amazon website yesterday and typed in self-help books. How many hits did I get yesterday on self-help books? Guess. 500,000. Sorry, Tony. 500,000. Okay, so there are 500,000 books out there that you can go and buy which are self-help books. How to train your mind and everything. What does that mean? It means this is a big deal. This is a big deal. Now, if you use a self-help book, I'm not having a go at you, it's not like that. If you find them helpful, that's absolutely fine. What I, just in reading them yesterday, I began to realize I am on a different planet from everybody else because I don't know even what this half this stuff means. So I've written a few down for you, okay? Here we go. These are all on Amazon. I promise you can go and look them up afterwards. Free your thoughts. How I reprogrammed myself for happiness and how you can too. Sounds good? 9.99. Right, this is the one that blew me away. NLP. The power of NLP. A step beyond... Step beyond. A step beyond positive thinking. So what is NLP? Does anyone know? Fantastic. Tony Errett, Neuro Linguistic Program. You've bought this, haven't you? <laughs> neuro Linguistic Program, whatever that is. Okay? The subconscious mind. How to reprogram your subconscious mind and use the hidden power of your mind. They're all like this. Here's one for teenagers or some teenagers. The life-changing magic of tidying up. How about that? A 15-minute practical summary. I have bought that for Alice. The life-changing magic of tidying up. Brilliant. Or 
you can have the positive thinking box set. Okay? My only concern is it was free. <laughs> and I'm thinking, if it's that good, I don't think it should be free. But the thing is, this is not what we're talking about this morning. We are not talking about the power of positive thinking. We are not talking about how you can change your mind. It's not what it's about. We are talking about a work of the Holy Spirit. And why is that absolutely essential? It is absolutely essential because you have to remember where everything went wrong. Everything in the garden was perfect. God was fellowshipping with man and woman. Everything was fine. And then the enemy came in and threw the little thought into man and woman's mind. If you eat of that tree, you will have all knowledge. And so man fell, and in that fall, not only was their heart um, separated from God, their mind was separated from God as well. And that is absolutely key to our understanding of why our minds need to be changed. I think we understand that we must be born again of the Spirit. That's a basic teaching of, of, of Christianity. You must be born again. Why? Because we're all born as sinners. We've been through this before, haven't we? We are not born neutral, and then you either veer to good or you veer to bad. It's not like that. You're born of Adam's seed. We are all Adam's descendants. Adam sinned, and therefore sin is in your DNA. And sin is in the DNA of your mind. And therefore, you have to be born again of the Spirit to understand spiritual things. But equally importantly, your mind has to be born again by the Holy Spirit. It has to be renewed because it is a sinful mind. There is no doubt about that. I was read, been following some verses in the Bible and it took me to Romans. Romans chapter 1, chapter 2 and chapter 3. Paul outlines our position and it's three chapters of basically you're in a mess. You're in a huge mess. You don't know how big a mess you're in, but let me tell you, you're in a huge mess. You don't understand God. You've rejected him. It's just three chapters. And how does it end up? Romans 3 verse 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's the bottom line. All it's fairly inclusive. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's me and that's you. So our body, has, our heart, our soul has to be born again, but our mind has to be renewed by the Spirit of God. And it's not a matter of waking up every day and thinking, today I'm going to be positive. It's not like that. You cannot change the sinful nature of your mind. You cannot do it. You can read as many self-help books as you want. You can go on as many courses as you want. It will not change the sinful nature of your mind. Only Jesus and the Holy Spirit can do that. Only Jesus. Now, as I say, I'm not having a go at self-help books. If you use them and you find them helpful, that's fine. That's absolutely great. But, spiritually, only Jesus changes your mind. Only Jesus transforms it. C.S. Lewis, 
writes this, and I've, I've used this before, it's just a brilliant quote. The almost impossibly hard thing is to hand over your whole self to Christ. But it's far easier than what we are all trying to do instead. For what we're trying to do is remain what we call ourselves. Our personal happiness centered on money or pleasure or ambition and hoping despite this to behave honestly and chastely and humbly. And that is exactly what Christ warned us you cannot do. If I'm a grass field, all the cutting will keep the grass level, but it won't produce wheat. If I want wheat, I must be ploughed up and re-sown. God wants wheat. Your mind is grass. My mind is grass. You can plough it all you like. Sorry, you can mow it all you like. But what it needs is replowing and reseeding. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do to our minds. He wants to renew them. He wants to change them. He wants us to align our thinking with God's thinking. I'm going to use quite a lot of quotes this morning because there's just so much good stuff uh, around um, N.T. Wright, who um, a lot of us read his stuff. He's a, he's a great theologian, says this. So what is Paul urging Christians that they allow... So Sorry, so what Paul is urging Christians is that they allow this teaching of Jesus to have its full effect in their lives. Now that they are in Christ, and we are in Christ... They have the responsibility and the power of the Spirit to take off the old lifestyle, the old way of being human, like someone stripping off a shabby and worn suit of clothing. It may have become comfortable. You may be used to it and even quite like it. Familiar old clothes are often like that, and brand new ones often feel a bit strange. But if you want to live as a new person in and for the king, the old suit of clothes has to come off, and the new one has to go on. The point then is not to be deceived by what lust and greed whisper in your ear. It's the mind and the heart that matter. If they learn to recognize the deceitful whisperings, to name them and reject them, the first vital step to the new way of life has been taken. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind, Paul says. And that's the secret. If the heart is right, it's time to get the mind right then you have the energy of willpower to bring the behavior into line. Off with the old and on with the new. Great quote. And it sums up what I'm trying to say this morning. We are called to be different from the world with a mind that is being transformed by, by the Holy Spirit to align ourselves with God's way of thinking. And there is a battleground here. Because we have this battle in our lives between our natural man and our spiritual man, the man or woman that we were before we were saved and the man and woman that we are after we're saved, there's always that pull between the two. And therefore, sometimes you can find that your first response is not your spiritual response, it's your old man response. It's your natural response. And sometimes we have to check ourselves and think, oh, hold on a minute. That's, that's not right, that's me. And you come over and you say, Lord, I don't believe that response was right. What are you saying? 
And often our second response is the one that is key. And there is a battle going on here. We are being transformed. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, We are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. This word transformed, exactly the same as Romans 2 that we read earlier. What it actually means is being continually transformed. So when we become a Christian, you can say, well, at that point, our mind is renewed. And it is to a certain extent. But it's continually renewed. As we grow in Christ, as we learn about Jesus, as we learn about God the Father, just as we've been singing this morning, as you begin to learn about him, your experience continues with him. Our thinking becomes aligned with him. Continually be transformed, Paul says. Don't just have a one-off experience. Be continually transformed. Colossians 3. If then you've been raised with Christ... Keep seeking the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hid with Christ in God. Put on the new self that is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Set your mind. There's an action there for us to do. It's not a passive thing. Boom, I receive a renewed mind. Thank you, Lord, I'm fine. No, he's saying, set your mind. You have to do that because there's a battle. Your mind will wander. Your mind will be all over the place. He's saying, Take, set it. Set it on what? Set it on things that are above. Set it on heavenly things. You know and I know exactly what that's like. When you sit down to pray or read your Bible suddenly your mind is full of stuff. I guarantee it. Stuff that you don't even want to think about, perhaps. But it's there. If you're praying, it's the same. Suddenly your mind is, I've got to do something else. And you haven't actually got to do it, but you think you've got to do it. And the enemy just loves it. There is this battle going on. And he says, you have to set yourself. Stamp your foot. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm not going to think about what I should be doing in the garden or what I should be doing here or what I should be doing there. Set your mind. 2 Peter 1 verse 4. For by these things he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises in order that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world. That's what's on offer here. Becoming partakers of the divine nature. You know, I, don't, I want to think less like Neil and more like Jesus. Don't you want to be like that? Less of me and more of you, Jesus. And it's not something that happens straight away, but over time, we want God to work in us. I want to, be, I want to have a heart like you, Jesus. I want to have compassion like you had compassion. I want to hear the Father as you heard the Father. This is what we're talking about this morning. I've been reading this book, which is well known to quite a lot of you. Bill Johnson. Supernatural Power of a Transformed Mind. This is a brilliant book. You can't just sit down and read it. You can only read about two or three pages at a time because you have to underline so much. Then you go back and reread it. It is absolutely 
fantastic. It really is worth buying. 9.89 on Amazon. £7.80 on Book Depository through Amazon. £7.80, it's a bargain. But it is really good. And it's just, it's just meat for your soul when you read that book. It really is. And just underline great swathes of the book. Super. I just want to read you what uh, Bill Johnson says, which just is backing up what we're saying here. One of the major functions of miracles and supernatural living is to offer immediate, irrefutable proof of what God wants to happen on earth. It demonstrates who God is by showing what his reality looks like. And he quotes Paul, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. <clears throat> Has it ever occurred to you that one of your jobs on earth is to prove the will of God? To show other people what he is like? To allow him to overwhelm the enemy's works through you? Most people don't know how God behaves or what's inside his heart for each one of us. Your calling and my calling as believers may be too massive to fully understand, but the Bible's command is clear. Our job is to demonstrate that the reality that exists in heaven can be manifested right here, right now. We are not just to be people who believe the right things about God, but people who put the will of God on display expressing it and causing others to realize, oh, so that's what God is like. Healing and deliverance and restoration do much more than solve the immediate problem. They give people a concrete demonstration of who God is. I love that. That is brilliant. That's God's will for you and for me, that we are showing people through demonstration what God's heart is like. You know, we sang this morning about the Father heart of God and we were just able to worship and to thank God for his goodness and his Father heart towards us. That's what he wants people out, out there to know. People that don't care about God, he wants them to know. And healing and deliverance and restoration are part of that. They're part of a demonstration of who God is and what he can do. And it's our mind that needs to change. We need to think heavenly rather than earthly. Supernaturally rather than naturally. Okay, so this thinking that I'm talking about, let's take an example from the scriptures so we don't just think it's a good idea or Bill Johnson thinks it's a good idea. Let's turn to a story and, uh, and I just want to explain what I'm thinking. Okay, so if you turn to John chapter 5, this is the healing at the pool of Bethesda. This is one of my favorite healings. I love this story. <coughs> I'll just read it to you quickly. After these things, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porticos. In there lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered waiting for the moving of the waters. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever then first, after the stirring up of the water, stepped in, was made well from whatever disease 
they were afflicted with. And a certain man was there who'd been there 38 years in his sickness. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he'd already been there a long time in that condition, he said to him, do you wish to get well? And the sick man answered him, sir, I've no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, arise, take up your pallet and walk. And immediately the man became well and took up his pallet and began to walk. Now it was the Sabbath on that day, therefore the Jews were saying to him who was cured, it is the Sabbath and it's not permissible for you to carry your pallet. But he answered them, he who made me well was the one who said to me, take up your pallet and walk. I love this story. It's just brilliant. God has an amazing sense of humor. So this guy for 38 years is sitting by the pool. An angel of the Lord comes down occasionally, purely through God's grace, and the waters stir. Now, if you're the first one into that water, you get healed of whatever disease you have. But this guy is a cripple. I would have given up after 10 years. I'd give it for perhaps five years. I would have just given up. But the guy has been there for 38 years. That is a long time. How many other people had he seen healed? How many times had he struggled to get in the water only for someone to come running along and jump in and beat him to it? It's just a brilliant picture of God's heart and his grace. But the key is this. Jesus knew he had been there all that time. How did he know? By the Holy Spirit revealing it to him by a specific word of knowledge you see and this is where the two kingdoms collide so Jesus comes along and the Holy Spirit says to him the guy's been there for 38 years it says he knew he'd already been there a long time in that condition and he says to him do you want to get well and the guy absolutely right in the natural way of thinking says yes I want to get well but it's impossible it's impossible because the waters move and I can't get there in time and someone else is there before me, so it's just not going to happen. And heaven meets earth and Jesus says, forget all that. Get up, you're healed. You see, and this is where heaven meets earth. We were talking about it this morning. And this is where the change comes. Because what the guy says is absolutely 100% right in the natural but what he hasn't realized is he is dealing with Jesus, who is in a completely different realm from where he is. So the fact the water's moving, you've got to try and get into it, is completely immaterial. Why? Because Jesus, the Son of God, has come, and he can heal you right now without the waters even moving. And he has given us the same power. That's, the, that's what he's given us. That you don't have to worry about the earthly things. All that goes away because Jesus comes and heals him straight away. What a brilliant testimony that guy has. Imagine him going to the church on Sunday. Can you give your testimony, brother? Whoa. Fantastic. Jesus came. I've been waiting 38 years. And Jesus came and healed me. Heaven meets earth. And this is what God has given to us. And it's a completely different way of thinking. 
We've got to move from thinking in the natural. You see, my way of doing it would be to say, right, what I'm going to do is, mate, I'm going to sit with you, and next time the waters come, I'm going to throw you in before anyone else can get there. And actually, you know, that's quite a good thing. I'm a good Samaritan. I'm doing the right thing. Or am I? What am I doing? I'm looking at the natural. I'm just looking at the natural situation and saying, this is my way round this. I'll sit with you. Might be five years before the waters move. Who knows? But I'll sit with you and pop you in. No. God says, come on, there's a different way of thinking here. I'm not even going to bother with the waters moving. I'm just going to heal you because I'm the son of God. That's where I want to be. Different way of thinking. I have no man to put me in the pool, he says. Hallelujah. And what's so sad about this story is that the Jews cannot even glory in the fact that he's been healed. All they're interested in is, hold on a minute, mate, you're carrying your pallet on the Sunday. Oh, it just winds me up. Get a life, you guys. This is a fantastic miracle. This should be full of joy. Instead of that, oh, you've got your pallet on a Sunday, mate. I'm sorry. It's like the old car park attendant. And you're one minute over, mate. Sorry, I've got to give you a ticket. Oh, crazy. This is a brilliant story. It's a fantastic miracle. It just shows me how our thinking has to change. <clears throat> I'm just going to give you another quote before we carry on from Bill Johnson. This, this is what I'm talking about, about our mind being renewed and changed in Christ. A renewed mind destroys the work of the devil so the earthly reality matches heavenly reality. It proves the will of God, not just in word, but in deed. It heals the sick, frees those enslaved to sin, brings joy where there was sadness, strength where there was weakness, explosive creativity and world-changing ideas and inventions when there was a lack of invention. It causes the kingdom of God to be expressed on earth as it is in heaven. That's what I want for this church. Isn't that what you want? Heaven on earth in this place. When people come in and they need healing, they get healed. Not because we have anything of our own, but because Jesus Christ is alive and well and living in Matlock. Hallelujah. Heaven on earth. And our thinking has to change. We have to be renewed in our thinking. We have to say, Lord, come and make me bold. You know, sometimes when I pray for people, my first thought is, I don't know if you're going to heal them, Lord. That's terrible. But I'm honest. That's true. I'm being honest. I need that thinking to be changed. I need God to come and renew my mind. I need it. We all need it. It's a big, big change. The other story I just wanted to remind us about, and Dave actually mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, was the story of Abraham. You see, Abraham has a promise from God, and God says to him, Abraham, your descendants are going to be like the stars in the sky. There's going to be millions of them. And Abraham's like, yeah, 
I'm 99. How's that going to happen then? <laughs> and God says, no, I promise. This time next year, Sarah is going to have a baby. Now, I love Abraham because it says Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And 99's good old age. And Sarah was old as well. It says that she was past childbearing years. So we're guessing that Sarah was perhaps 80 or 90. And when she heard it, she actually laughs. She laughs at God and says, am I going to bear a child? Abraham's 99. He's all dried up. It's all over. Which in the natural is absolutely right. There is no way that you can have a baby when you're 99 years old. But you see, Abraham's heart, he's thinking heavenly. Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. That's where I want to be, in that place. But I believe you, God. I believe you're going to do this because my thinking has been renewed. My mind has been changed by your Holy Spirit. You know what God says when he hears Sarah laugh? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And the answer to that has to be no. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. And of course the story goes on and Sarah has the baby. And it's just a brilliant story. How impossible the situation. God comes and works. And we may face impossible situations in our own lives. And it's at times like that that we have to remember what God said. Is anything too hard for the Lord? The answer is no. The other story that I was reminded of was Lazarus. You remember when Lazarus was ill and uh, Jesus heard that Lazarus was ill. And instead of it saying, uh, Jesus heard that Lazarus was ill, so he rushed back to uh, the town to, to see him, to make him well, it doesn't say that. It says he stayed two extra days where he was. Which doesn't exactly fill you with confidence. And when Jesus does come back, both Mary and Martha come to Jesus and say, Jesus, if you'd been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. And it just struck me as I was reading that, that actually, even they didn't have kingdom thinking at that point. Because in the natural, what they were saying was probably right. If you'd come back straight away, it would have been all right. What they hadn't realized is that Jesus has the keys of death and hell. He has the keys of life. So whether he came back after two days or whether he comes back actually after four days and Lazarus is already dead and in the tomb, it's completely immaterial to Jesus. Why? Because he's got the keys of life. So he just goes to Lazarus and raises him from the dead. Hallelujah. 
But both Mary and Martha, looking at the natural, this is a disaster. Why didn't you come back? We should have come back earlier. Because they hadn't really realized, fully realized, the power that Jesus had. And he says to them, I have the keys of life. Hallelujah. Here's the keys of life for me and for you. And he gives us those keys of life. 1 Corinthians chapter, where are we? Chapter 2. So many bits of paper in my Bible. For to us God revealed these things through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things freely given to us by God which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, for he cannot understand them because they're spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he should instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. That is your gift that God has given to you. You have the mind of Christ. And that's what we need to hold on to. We have to sacrifice our mind and let the Holy Spirit speak to us and lead us. Ephesians 3 verse 20, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, hallelujah, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in him? No. According to the power that works in us. It works in you. To him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. His power working through us. That's what this is all about. Bill Johnson says this, the spirit of revelation opens up our knowledge of who God is and from that comes the release of power from heaven. That power gives us access to all things pertaining to life and godliness. 2 Peter 1 verse 2. That power gives us access to all things pertaining to life and godliness. That encounter with God will not only shape the world around you, it will shape the world through you. This is really key. It will not only shape the world around you, it will shape the world through you. Isn't that what we want? We want the world to be shaped through us, through God and the Holy Spirit working through us, changing the way the world looks around us. 
as we were praying in there early on, <coughs> Peter uh, felt the Lord speak to him about us being the aroma of Christ. And it talks about that in the epistles, about us being the aroma of Christ wherever we go. That's a lovely picture. You go somewhere, you take the aroma of Christ with you. That changes things. That changes things in the spiritual realm. And this is what we want. We need to just continually come back, have our minds transformed, our hearts changed, so that we can shape the world through us, through God working through us. I remember Dave <coughs> Watmore speaking a little while ago at the front here about who has control of the motorbike. And if you remember, uh, he had someone at the front and someone at the back. And our problem is we always want to take the controls. And that's what it's like in this spiritual battle, is that the natural man or woman will always want to take the controls. Because we like being in control, all of us. And the challenge is that God says, let me be in control. Let me take control and you come with me. And that's the challenge in our thinking to say, Lord, I'm going to let you come and take control of my thinking so that the world around me can be shaped through you. Amen. Okay, where's Ali? Is he around? Can you just come and uh, do a song for us and then I just want to uh, pray for everybody. Lord, I thank you that you challenge our thinking. Thank you, Lord, that <coughs> you don't just leave us, but you continually transform us. You continually change us. You continually take us on with you even this morning during the worship you're saying run with me follow me and Lord we want to be a people that follow you we want to be a people whose minds are set on things above that we are ambassadors on earth that you can use us for your glory and the increase of your kingdom come and speak to us we ask in Jesus name